Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Constantine Limbarakis here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Dino, how you doing today? Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Excellent. <laughs> well, it is so great to have you back. Of course, sitting in today, only today for the one and only Greg White, who yes. is out and about. But man, we have had a lot of fun and a lot of great conversations recently, including we dove into some of your background with yes. an episode we'll drop in the comments. So you're just a, you're the gift that keeps on giving, Dino. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> you bet. And you know what? Plus, it's a lot of fun beyond all the truckload of expertise and experience you bring to the table. We have a blast. And today, we're going to continue that tradition. Big show today. We're talking about a topic that not only Constantine brings beautiful thoughts to my mind, but brings success, results, melodic outcomes to global supply chains everywhere. We're talking about supply chain orchestration. Should be a great conversation, huh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it connects us as a, an interesting platform, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things to talk about here. I agree. And we've got an interesting character, industry thought leader, you name it, from Canaxis, Matt Spooner. Folks, you're not going to miss this. He's going to be joining us in just a second. But hey, to all of our folks out there, as Constantine reiterated, where if it's morning or afternoon or evening, wherever it is, wherever you are, we want to hear from you. So weigh in on the, uh, the cheap seats, as we call them, like the comments, as we walk through this con great conversation here today. We want to hear from you and get your take, such as John Peterson. JP is back with us from Marietta, Georgia. So we'll share and sprinkle in comments throughout the show. Do you know what these live shows that's one of the best parts. I mean, of course, Matt's going to bring it a truckload of brilliance, as we know, maybe a mm -hmm. bike load of brilliance based on what we're going to be talking about. But we love hearing from folks as they weigh in on what we're discussing, right? Yes, absolutely. And the perspective and the analogies that we're going to bring here, I think are going to be interesting. It's a, a different way of looking at things that we, we experience all the time, or in some cases, what he's going to share with us, most of us won't experience. <laughs> well, and that, I think that's part of the zest of life, whether we're talking right. about long-standing things or new things, how we take what's taking, what, how the industry is evolving and package it in a way that is approachable by all. So yes. get ready folks. And I want to say hello to one more person before we welcome in our guest speaker, Seaham. Great to have you back. I love you when you weigh in on uh, LinkedIn posts with your perspective. And of course, we always love you having, being here, part of our live conversations. I like Seaham's sense of humor, Constantine. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in our distinguished distinguished guest here today, Matt Spooner, industry thought leader with Connexus. Hey, hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm really great, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Dino, for having me. Oh. And uh, I think I might be the first ever sort of supply chain now live stream wearing cycling kit. <laughs> <laughs> you you know our uh, history well then, because you are you're breaking new ground. Uh, and we'll make all that connect in just a second. I want to really quick, before we dive in with Matt and Constantine, hey, Murray tuned in from Edmonton, Alberta. I bet that's a pretty part of the year. And of course, big thanks to Catherine and Amanda behind the scenes helping to make the production happen. Okay, so Matt and Constantine, we got a lot to get into. But first, let's talk more about what Matt just mentioned because he is setting records here. So really enjoyed our pre-show conversations. Before we get into supply chain orchestration, I love that word, and a whole lot more, I want to start with a pretty cool and fun topic uh, that some folks may not know. But as we've learned, Matt, you are one of Europe's top age group Ironman triathletes. I uh, bet that comes in handy when it comes to uh, doing big things in supply chain. And you've recently and successfully completed the transcontinental bike race, which is a prestigious yearly competition that runs from Belgium to Greece. We need some maps here. So let's start with Matt. Tell us about the race. And then we got some images we're going to walk through too. Yeah, thanks very much, Scott. So the, the, the transcontinental race is the definitive self-supported cycling race across Europe. It's a really hard race. 
which is very complex in, in its execution. So it relies on uh, self-reliance, logistics, navigation, but also the, the judgment when it comes to what are the decisions that you need to make. Mm. And it's really a race where the people define or redefine what they think is possible. It's a single stage race where the clock never stops. It's not like the Tour de France, which it has stages. It's the clock starts started on the 23rd of uh, July and it finishes when you cross the line in Greece. Okay. And, riders, and it's self-supported. So riders have to plan their, their route. They have to research it. They have to do their own navigation, their own course, choose where to rest, what to eat. You can only take what you can carry and you can only consume what you can find or buy. And there are four mandatory control points. So there's a number of set routes that, that you actually have to ride, which are particularly difficult. And it goes and it crosses some of Europe's most prestigious cycling monuments. Mm. And we'll look at some of the pictures of those in a minute. But it's, yes. a, yeah, it's a fantastic race. Well, before we move into these images, Dino, I feel like I've just burned 2,000 calories here. And Matt, describe that. Your thoughts? Nice try. <laughs> nice try. You got me. Okay. All right. All right. So let's look at some of these images here. And we're going to start, Matt, with some of the provisions and supplies. Tell us tell us what we're looking at here. Yeah. So, so this was everything that I actually carried on the ride with me. And as they say, it's self-supported. So you don't, there's no support cars or anything like this. And so I wanted to keep the weight down to an absolute minimum, but actually be able to manage and mitigate any of the risks that I would face or, or, on the route. Okay. So I took a very much a risk management approach on here, looking at what was the the likelihood of uh, an event happening and what would the impact of that event be. So that could be cold weather, it could be mechanical failure, you know, yeah, so you name it. So, you know, yeah. I've got spare shoes for being, a, you know, if I had to go and walk uh, somewhere. So that was really important. So, uh, and I didn't just factor in what was the risk and what was the impact of that risk. Okay. But I also factored in what was the cost of the mitigation strategy? Because if I'd mitigated every single risk, I would have ended up with a bike that, that weighed, I don't know, 100 pounds. Um, I think my bike weighed something like you know, 30, around 28 pounds, I think, in total. I think okay. it was around 15 kilos. Uh, no, sorry, 32 pounds, something, something like that. Whereas I think other people had you know, twice as much weight because they've just tried to mitigate too many of those risks. Right. So that was actually a really important point was actually how did I choose everything that I took with me? Well, Dino, I wonder if uh, Matt and the team did any scenario planning as he was baking his uh, transcontinental road race risk mitigation strategy. What do you think, Constantine? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's a good question because I was just going to ask about like what, what if there are any weight restrictions, like you can say you can carry no more than X pounds or it's just curious because... Mm. Like you just described, Matt. I mean, you can't do every scenario, but yeah, you, you can't. You can't. Yeah, no. There were there were no specific weight restrictions, but uh, you know, it was there. There was a lot of work that I did. In fact, that's my setup, and you actually can see my bike in the background there. There were no specific weight restrictions, but you, it's important to try and minimize to try and minimize the weight because I had about one hundred sixty thousand meters of climbing in, okay. in two weeks, but. Also, if you carry too much equipment, it really affects the aerodynamics of the bike and really makes it very slow to ride on the flat as well. So, yeah, trying to get everything to a, a minimum weight was critical without leaving out things that would be that I would really need. And right. a good example of that, and actually you can see in that picture there, which is at the start in uh, Gerardsbergen in Belgium, uh, okay. it was pouring with rain that day. Uh, in fact, the, the the start of the race was was really cold, really wet. I'm wearing all of my wet weather kit. Um, as I cycled into Switzerland, on top of one of the mountain passes, it was minus two degrees and snowing. It's the coldest I've ever been, even with all of my warm wet weather kit. So even though you're going through Europe in the middle of a heat wave, on top wow. of the mountains, you've got snow. So you're... You, and it's exactly the same in supply chain. We have to think about all of the different scenarios that, that we need to face. Folks, uh, but hopefully you are taking notes at home because Matt is doing a wonderful job of transferable takeaway from this incredible endurance race. And, and Matt, speaking of the mountains, what, what are these mountains here that we're looking so, at? So this is on the Alps. It's the Stelvio Pass. 
the second highest mountain pass in Europe between uh, Italy and Switzerland. So actually that's looking down into Italy from the top of Stelvio. And that was actually the day after I had snow. So it was, uh, that, was, that was pretty kind. Of, it was uh, pretty chilly actually up there on top of the Stelvio Pass. Yeah, that's a, at around, what, seven seven 7,200 feet, something like okay. that. And then here, and we're not going to do it justice here today, as CHAM is pointing out, applying supply chain risk management strategy in everyday life. That's really what we're after here. And Matt, I love how you view that and your point of view here. But this is the finish line in Thessaloniki. I see, I get that right? Thessaloniki, Greece. Matt, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Thessaloniki. Yeah. And uh, as you can see, it's a huge port city. So Really big from a logistics uh, logistics point of view. So yeah, Greece is second largest city, and uh, yeah, that's me on the shores of the Aegean, having just cycled uh, two thousand five hundred miles in thirteen days. That's one hundred eighty miles per day with wow. uh, one hundred sixty thousand meters of climbing, which is about eleven thousand five. Sorry, one hundred fifty seven thousand feet of climbing, which is about eleven thousand five hundred feet per day. That's an Climbing the equivalent of Everest every two and a half days. Man. Okay. So, Constantine, I'm going to get you to weigh in here. But I want to point out, since Matt already did, that port of uh, Thessaloniki in Greece is the country's, and it's considered by many to be the gateway to the Balkans. Your quick comments, Constantine. Thessaloniki is a great city. I, as a Greek, have never been there. So, you're making me inspired here, Matt. Okay. I also tell you that I was curious, Matt, what was your beverage of choice when you got into the port? <laughs> beverage of choice, of choice, Matt. Was, yes. Well, that's a really that's a really interesting question. My beverage of choice on the right was actually alcohol-free beer. It would have been beer with I could have enjoyed a beer with alcohol, but that doesn't actually go well riding. Alcohol-free beer is actually got great nutrients in it, and it's just something different to the sweets, sodas, the Coke, and Fanta. So that was my beverage of choice. So, Matt, uh, that's a great question, by the way, Dino. Uh, Matt, I'm going to get you to uh, talk about the the significance of this shot in just a second. I want to bring in, speaking of beverages, Catherine says, hey, I'm going to need a Gatorade just listening to all this. (laughs) I'm with you, and Claudia's like, me too. And finally, Peter Bolay. Thank you, PB. Peter Bolay all day and all night. Yes, we are doing what we love here today, talking with inspirational people that are taking action to make the world and our industry a better place. Thank you. All right, so Matt, bringing right, it back. So this, the, the, the significance of this picture, this is why we shouldn't always rely on AI and optimization, the limitations of AI and optimization. So this is actually the in Albania, the SH36 highway. Uh, believe it or not, this is a highway. And actually, if you go in and look at dangerousroads.org, the SH36 features as one of Europe's most dangerous roads. And its description is that uh, the SH36 is a terrible high mountain road located in northeastern Albania. The road is in dreadful condition and requires strong nerves to navigate. Mm. Now, the thing is, you know, the software, so we, I, I use a system called Kamut, which is uh, an advanced um, planning system for cycling or for you're know, doing cycling, hiking, walking. It uses AI, it uses optimization. It's a, an absolutely brilliant tool, mm. but it doesn't have all of the data about what are the condition of all the roads. So you know, when you're going through some of these places in the Balkans, it goes and sends you on roads like the SH36 highway because it doesn't know the surface of the roads. It doesn't know how well, how good the tarmac is. And I think this is really highlights exactly the same limitations that we have with AI and optimization within the supply chain. Sometimes it just doesn't have all of the information to help us make the correct decisions. We actually have to make the correct decisions and be agile in making those correct decisions on the fly. Matt, excellent point. And I'm, I'm so glad. I'm a visual learner, and I love, again, how you're taking your point of view through this incredible accomplishment to finish this race and applying it to our industry. Constantine, your quick comments before I move on. Yeah, I, I love the analogy. You can't, you can't do a better job than to connect those dots. 
I will probably make a comment. I bet you that road hasn't changed since Roman times. So maybe that was a highway. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> it's uh, no. all in the eye of the beholder, right? Yes. Interesting. And, and by the way, thank you, Korak Kose, one of our dear friends. I may have butchered. He gives a high five to you, Constantine, for correcting my pronunciation, Thessaloniki. So Korak, I try hard. I get my kids' names wrong from time to time. So bear with me, but I hope you're well. All right. So Matt and Constantine. And to our global audience out there, just wait, there's more. we got a lot to get into here today. And so, Matt, thank you so much. And congrats, by the way, for finishing the race again this year. And we want to get into, though, as we shift gears here, no, no bike puns intended, want to get into this term that I love, supply chain orchestration. We're hearing that more and more, especially in recent years, right? So, Mark, for our conversation today, as we level set on the front end, Matt, tell us in your words what that means. Yeah, so traditionally, we think of supply chains as being linear. So you go and plan the supply chain, you go through a process of doing your demand and supply, and then doing your SOP process, and then creating the plan and sending that plan over to the your suppliers and to the factories and to the warehouses and executing on those, those plans. And that's a like a that's not the reality of the, the environment that we live in today. We need to have a strategy around our, our supply chains. We actually need to understand what does success look like. Mm. We then need to have a plan to say, how do we deliver that, set, that, that, that success across not just our own internal supply chain, across all of the elements of the supply chain. We then need to have the, the correct tactics to make the correct decisions in Pretty much, in, it could be in real time, in, in really disrupted, disrupted times, about making those decisions, choosing which is a scenario that we want to follow. And then we need to go and you know, execute on those decisions. We actually mm. have to go and transform raw materials into goods. We need to move the goods from one part of the supply chain to the next part of the supply chain. And it's no longer that we just plan and execute. We're actually planning and executing and planning and executing because What's happening in real time actually impacts the way that we impacts the plan. So it's no yes. longer a linear process; it's a circular process mm. of doing this constant. So that's why we we term term this su supply chain orchestration, and it's not just orchestration in terms of our own, uh, you know, my organization and my own manufacturing and my own warehousing facilities. It's across. All of those suppliers as well, all of the upstream and downstream suppliers. Yes. And this is because becoming increasingly important because this is not will not only allow us to run supply chains more effectively and more efficiently, but also more sustainably, which is yep. becoming really critical at the moment. We were discussing earlier about heat waves in Europe, heat waves in the US. They, at right. the moment, this summer is, and yeah, we sustainability is becoming a big topic. And we're going to dive more into that in just a second. But speaking more, Panama Canal right now, Constantine and Matt, 200 ships are waiting, and it's mainly because the water levels due to a terrible regional drought are so low. Three rivers feed the Panama Canal, and they're talking with the U.S. Corps of Army Engineers of how they can divert four more rivers into the canal. It's just it's amazing all the constraints that we're dealing with. Constantine, comment on that before we move forward and get another term we're going to redefine here today. Well, talk about orchestration. They're trying to orchestrate the differences in making management around the environmental you know, challenges here to make something happen. And I think the other key word, that, the reason why we, I think I gravitate to this orchestration, it's the fact that you are, if you think about what an orchestra is, you have all these different instruments that are trying to create something in harmony mm. to come out with some outcome of a benefit, right? And so orchestrating requires all these stakeholders to be involved and I think that's why that term is just, it fits so well with what we're trying to accomplish in the Pan Panama Canal is exact example of that. But Dino, you're absolutely right. Now, here's a challenge before we move on. When I think of orchestration, I think of a symphony, right? Trivia question, what a conductor holds is a baton as he or she conducts the symphony. But here's a challenge for everybody. R woodwinds, percussion, Brass, we got to come up with different sections of what each represents in the global supply chain ecosystem. I'll, I'll throw that out there. John says, disruptions in supply chains used to be the exceptions. Now they are the norm. Great point that the process, as Matt mentioned, is circular 
and is in constant review. All right, speaking of things that are in review, our terminology, our phraseology, our vernacular, I think, Matt, you and the Canaxis team want to redefine supply chain management, and you're calling for that new definition. Speak speak to that. Tell us what you're, you mean there. Yeah, and, and so I think it's we're looking at redefining supply chain management in terms of what does it mean for for Canaxis and for our customers. I think on one side, you know, supply chains are not new. Supply chains have been around since the beginning of time. It's you know, the first time that you know anyone traded with somebody else. There, there was a supply chain, and so mm. supply chain management is not a new capability or a new concept. Right. But what we're talking about and looking at it in as in Canaxis, and the way we're thinking about it is that supply chains are really the orchestration of people and physical, digital and financial assets Mm. to meet customer expectations and corporate goals while preserving the planet. So it's not just about, we can't just think about it's the movement of goods. We're looking at actually increasingly digital assets and the trading of digital assets is increasing almost exponentially um, on on an annual basis. It's not just the the movement of the assets. It's actually the financial transactions that are associated with those as well. How do we get paid for the for, for those goods and services? Well said. Um, we need to meet corporate goals. We need to meet the uh, our shareholders' goals and all those corporate goals. And we also need to make sure that we are meeting all of those customer expectations. But we can't forget about the planet, and we need to do you know to preserve the planet and ensure that we are not taking away what we have today. That's right. One word that comes to my mind, and we've been big proponents of this for years, but the word that comes to my mind as Matt described that is holistic, holistic. It's not just a movement. Constantine, your quick thoughts there. Yeah, I think we're going to come to it too. Another part of that orchestration is that you're doing some things concurrently, right? And I think that's a term that you guys are are using quite a bit at Canaxis, Matt, is concurrent planning, this Mm. concept of making sure you're able to adjust when something happens. And so uh, it's fascinating to uh, see where with the information that you're coming, it's coming at you. You're going to need to be able to do that more quick, more quickly, not just to say in a kind of uh, a singularity of one thing at a time. And it's not just you, as you guys are saying. So, yeah. And, yep. and constantly, yeah. And I'm just, sorry, Dino, I just want to bring up a, a, a really good point that you, you raised there. And this is actually something that I learned from from the the cycle race, from the transcontinental race as well, Mm. is that when you're tired, making you need to make decisions as simply as simple as possible. You want to make a to try and get create a yes no decision because you having you a complex decision is very very difficult to make when you're tired. Now, my and why this is relevant to the supply chain when you're in really disrupted times, which we're in, yeah. and I think that disruption is not going away. Organizations are exhausted and they're not able to spend the time to make these decisions and, and fully evaluate the decisions. They actually just need to make really simple decisions, right? And so, when you're in less disrupted times, I think that you can then focus on making complex decisions when maybe at the beginning of the quarter right after you've just had a great quarter you can make complex decisions but then you know when you've got this avalanche of the we talked about the panama canal that's something i've been looking at for a, a few months now sure when you've got all of these disruptions that are, that are hitting you you actually you need to you know try and keep those decisions as simple as possible have scenarios that are already planned that you can say do I go with scenario A decision making framework for for the, those deciding which is the scenario? Because if you treat every disruption as something that's new, you're just going to get overwhelmed by the number of decisions that you need to make. Matt, well said. And I would I would argue not only do we need to make decisions and make them faster, but we need to make sure our team is confident in those decisions as we make them. That's a really important thing. We're going to move into. Su- sustainability more in just a second. I want to bring in a couple of things. So Mihir talks about the VUCA acronym that's been around forever, but it's being used a lot more. Volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. I think I said all that right. Uh, Seaham talks about going back to the new name for supply chain management. A new name might help with understanding the functions involved versus using terms synonymously. That's an excellent point, Seaham. Okay. So I want to talk about sustainability more. 
And so, Matt, you've already touched on this a couple of times, the importance of making decisions that are good, not just for our organizations and our supply chains, but good for the planet. How does successful supply chain management, in your view, make organizations and, of course, the world a far better place? Matt, your thoughts? Yeah. So on a personal basis, I think many of us are, are passionate about sustainability. But I think that we actually have to sort of look at this differently from our personal, from our personal opinion uh, and the corporate imperative. And actually becoming su- sustainable is very, is really important from a risk management perspective about minimizing and mitigating risk. So firstly, what you identify and what I believe is that, that sustainability and resilience are actually quite closely linked. So supply chains, which are more resilient, tend to be more sustainable or supply chains, which are sustainable, are, are, are also more resilient. So that's, I think, is a, a really good risk management perspective. Yep. But also we've got external legislation. So there's the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive in Europe. Um, so from 2025, companies in Europe are, are going to have, will be required to report indirect emissions across their value chains. So, and these are their scope three emissions. Yep. Organizations who don't do this, uh, and th- th- this will be audited. This is not just some, you know, simple spreadsheet reporting. This is proper, this is proper reporting that will be audited against the same standard as financial or audits are, are, are conducted. Yes. This is a really big risk. The CFO is looking at this and thinking, this is a really big risk for my organization. I've got to get a really good handle on my scope three emissions, understanding my scope three emissions. And so sustainability is the right thing to do for the planet, but it's also the right thing to do to mitigate the risk in your organization. Yes. The stakes are changing. They're increasing. And I would add to your your last comment there, Matt, it can be very profitable as well. Consumers, all stakeholders are demanding it more and more. Constantine, get you to weigh in on what, as Matt addressed, the, the critical need to really embrace with action sustainable initiatives. I, I think the important thing here is also it goes back to the innovation that you're trying to use and what your outcomes are. And I think you and I talked about this on our conversation that sustainability is critical but also looking at it in terms of how is that going to improve your innovation. And the only way you can do that is with accuracy Mm. and with technology and scenarios that could better understand what those outcomes are that are best for your business. And then those outcomes are in the long run going to be what is going to be a long-term sustainable solution by definition. Well said, Dino. And I would add one more thing, Matt, before we get back around, we're going to make sure folks understand we got some resources and we'll make sure folks understand the cool things that connects us up to. But lately I've been talking a lot about Kit Kats. Yes, Kit Kats. I had a, uh, a Nestle Kit Kat in Cape Town, South Africa, several months back. Long story short, the incredible things that the supply chain organization is doing is enabling the sales and marketing team to promote that it's Kit Kats, at least in that part of the world, is made with 100% sustainable cocoa. And it's part of their global plan that by 2025, 100% of its global supply of cocoa is going to be sustainably sourced. That helps us tackle many of our the issues of our time. So, all right, so bringing it back then, bringing it back. Let's talk about, Matt, a really important, just a level set in a nutshell. What does Canaxis do? How would you answer that question? Well, I mean, Canaxis, I think, is on the forefront of taking supply chain, supply chain management into the future. Mm. Uh, it's on the forefront of you know, bridging this gap between planning and execution, and concurrent planning and concurrent execution. It's on the forefront of bringing sustainability, and we recently just launched a sustainability module, which actually allows organizations to understand the scope three emissions across five of the different uh, categories mm. based on their plan. And so we're, we're partnering with an organization called Climatic, to provide that that information. We're also, you can't have failed to, to have noticed the, the amount of attention that AI and optimization is now getting as well. And it's about leveraging that AI and optimization to be able to create a better orchestrated supply chain response, but also combining that with heuristics and the experience of the planner 
so that you're actually making the, the best possible decision by that combined heuristics and AI and really recognizing that your supply chain professionals are still able to make the best possible decisions. Mm. Constantly, I want to bring you in here, but before I do, one of my favorite things that Greg has shared on earlier shows is it's really important for our fellow supply chain leaders to discern actual intelligence versus artificial intelligence, especially where AI is baked in every single interaction and conversation these days. Constantine, weigh in on what Matt was just talking about there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're spot on there, Matt, with taking all these different data sets and and the speed of which that information needs to come in to make uh, some of those decisions. I mean, I was just reading one of the case studies that you guys called out in the papers that you had and talking about the importance of understanding what those outcomes could have been and quickly assessing those scenarios. And you can't really do that without properly applying the algorithms that are going to help you do that, whether it's the internal data it's unstructured data or it's external data from providers that could help assist you in enhancing that and creating. And I think the word you were using before, Scott, was that holistic view. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. I mean, that's it. That's how you're going to do it. Well said. And speaking of well said, how about well done, Matt? Y'all have been uh, recognized once again by Gartner in the Magic Quadrant. Tell us more about that. I think we got a link we're going to drop in the chat too. Tell us about the, something that I know I'd be wearing on my sleeve. Matt, tell us more. Yeah, so so we're incredibly pr- proud of uh, you know, our placement on the, the Magic Quadrant. So we've been placed as a leader within the Magic Quadrant for the ninth time, the ninth successive time we've been in that top yeah. right-hand quadrant. Uh, and that's based on the completeness of, uh, of our vision and our ability to execute. And this year, we're actually the high, for the first time, we're the highest on both of those dimensions, on both of those uh, axes, the the completeness of the vision and our ability to execute. Uh, It's really important to to, to Kinaxis, partly because that being in that top right-hand quadrant for nine successive years is a statement of quality. It it gives our customers confidence that that we are... uh, evolving our solution that we're driving forward that we don't just talk a good talk we're actually delivering on, on you know, what we plan to deliver and what we tell organizations that we're going to be delivering right uh, and that allows us to to retain that position so it's very much a statement of quality when you dive into the the magic quadrants we were really proud of uh, our, our performance this year we were in four out of the five use cases uh Canaxis was one of the top scored vendors, so we were we did really well in, in the use cases. Against the critical capabilities, we were the top scored vendor in seven out of the 15 critical capabilities, and we were scored number one for user experience. Now, that is really important because that was one of the areas where we haven't been so strong in the past, mm. and that shows you know, our commitment to address the areas where, we, where we've traditionally not been so strong. And actually focus on those areas as well. Yeah, the position on the Gartner Magic Quadrant is being is really really important, and it's uh, and we're we're incredibly proud of where we are and what we've achieved. Well, Matt, congrats! I know you have a big team. Tom, Polly from Raleigh, one of our faves. Alan, the whole team. Congrats! All the hard work that y'all put into that. And Constantine, picking up on one of the last points Matt mentioned, user experience, the good old UX. When we think about adoption, which is so critical to any platform, really, for that matter, any new thing you're going to introduce to an organization, if folks don't use it, what have you gone through all the the, the project and the labor and blood, sweat and tears for? But speak to what stood out to you, Constantine. Well, I, I think that's spot on there with the user experience. Increasingly, the, the gardeners of the world have recognized that importance. It's not the technical framework of what the analysts are saying. It's but what your customers are saying. And bringing those dynamics together is really critical, especially when you're focusing on the users that you are intending to de- deliver your solution on. Yes. And from my understanding, you guys have been very focused. And because you're so focused in the supply chain planning aspect of it, that's probably testament to your success is that you've been, that's what you're trying to achieve. You're not trying to do tons of other things that maybe some of your competitors on that quadrant are also trying to do. So there's always that dynamic, right? Right. Where do you focus and what are the outcomes you're trying to look for your customers? Excellent point. And we're going to drop the link to that so y'all can dive into that and learn more. That big thanks, Amanda and Catherine there. I want to shift gears for the sake of time, but I want to make one mention here. And Matt, since you brought pictures, I'm going to use them. So going back before we move on, this is the challenge now, but where we're going and what you're both are speaking to, 
The challenges are changing. Earlier today or this week, India became the fourth country to land on the moon. Space supply chain or whatever word we use, that's going to be a real thing soon. We're seeing companies land massive contracts as we address what all the challenges and all the opportunities that comes with space exploration. So it's only one of one million reasons why we've got to optimize how we do things today. All right. So let's just, let's talk about connections, connections hosted by Connexus. Now, this is a ongoing user conference that y'all have each year. You're back in person, Matt, and I'm sure in rubbing elbows with members of your team, y'all have all had tons and tons of takeaways. What's a couple of your favorite takeaways from the connect, connections from just a, a few months ago? So, I mean, the connections was for, for us was an amazing conference. We, we were, it was by far the, the, the biggest conference that, that we've ever had. And the, the enthusiasm from organizations was, was great. But I think if I look at some of the the top takeaways, and and probably my biggest one is that the organizations are now talking about really supply chain delivering, just being about cost mitigation and cost saving, but about delivering top line benefits. And organizations and can access customers and our prospects talking to us about how do we work together as a supply chain community in order to demonstrate and really highlight the top line benefits that organizations can get from their improved supply chain management. And so that's, I think, uh, uh, you know, some of those conversations were, were fantastic. Really interesting conversations about AI and how there's been a lot of hype about AI. And you oh, know, sure. let, 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 let's face it, there's, you know, we, we generative AI, chat GPT, there's been yeah, you know, lots of lots of lots of hype, and yeah, you know, not so many concrete use cases. But actually, your organizations talking about some of the concrete use cases, some of the concrete benefit benefits that they're seeing um, from AI. One organization wants to keep it a secret because they're getting so much competitive advantage from the from their AI based solution mm. that is actually a game changer uh, for for the organization. And those are. Listening to those conversations are inspirational for a supply chain leader like me. Yes. And you know what? Where have we find inspiration? That's one of the short list of things, Constantine. When I think about uh, the pressure on our workforces today, when I think about the pressure to not only deliver, but to improve the challenges to managing change, good news and inspiration is what helps us all move forward. Constantine, but weigh in on those takeaways that Matt spoke about from connections? Well, I, I think, you know, it's it's showing that the companies are also willing to take a, not so much a risk, but looking to do that next step to, to use that to leverage themselves and take that first mover advantage. Because to your point, Matt, I mean, again, at some point, everyone kind of catches up where, how are they leveraging your technology to, to have that first mover advantage and being considered themselves as a leader because they want to be affiliated with solutions that are going to help them. So that's great to hear that it's gone again beyond, way beyond the cost. It's taken supply chain to the next level and the level of excitement that you're hearing in this space is just, is tremendous. Agreed. And Matt, here's a challenge for you, Matt. So on the net, on connections 2024, I say, I propose to you, you get your bike, get uniform, get a videographer behind you, and you capture all the conversations throughout the, uh, the, the conference floor. How's that sound, Matt? I think that, yeah, that will be a really good idea, actually. I think I, I quite like that. We're, at the moment, we're thinking about what's going to be happening for Connections 2024, so I'll feed that in as a, as a good <laughs> suggestion. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about, and by the way, going back to the Gartner Magic Quadrant, you are one click away. We got that in the chat. Y'all can dive more into that and see some of the uh, the good news Matt was sharing. Nine consecutive years. Wow. Okay. So everyone, as we shift gears and kind of come around that home stretch, I'm not sure what the home stretch was in the transcontinental race, Matt, but that's where we're coming down here. I forgot to bring shades. Always, I'm always missing my props. We're talking about where we're going. And I'm of the view, despite all the challenges we have, right, it's, it, it all, it's, it's always been there, right? Managing disruption, it may look differently, but that's what we signed up for, right? Uh, to be in supply chain. 
But the good news there is the future is really bright. So Matt and Constantine, I'm going to get your take too. But Matt, you start us. What excites you the most about where global supply chain is headed? And there's so many things that I could talk about. I think one of the things that I will, though, will highlight is that supply chains are now, and supply chain is now a really recognized function, not just within the organizations, but within academia as well. Students want to become supply chain uh, experts and want to move into supply chain. And that means that it's not just, you. we're not just capturing a, a, a group of people who've accidentally fallen into supply chain. We're actually got people who, who want to become supply chain leaders. And this is bringing in uh, some of the best talent. It's bringing in new thoughts. It brings challenging the gray-haired guys, uh, guys and girls like me who've been around uh, you know, a bit, but the, the, we've now got new ideas coming into supply chain. And this, I think, this new talent, this, this whole professional supply chain management, I think, makes it incredibly exciting. But there's lots of others as well. You're so true. And we could spend hours talking about this. I love your point of view here. Constantine, I'm going to ask you in just a second. I want to add to what Matt said there, though. You know, We have been conducting the Now Generation series here at Supply Chain Now, meeting with some of the leading programs where all this talent's coming in from all walks of life that, Matt, you're speaking to. And you're right. Folks, they've connected dots. They figured out what supply chain does, and they want to be part of it. And the cool thing there, I'm meeting artists, folks that, that majored in, in art, that graduate, and then they're bringing that perspective, right? That's so unique, especially in a, a more of a technical and engineering and operational related industry. And they're changing how we do things. We need more and more of that. Constantine, what are you looking forward to? Or feel free to comment on what Matt just well, shared there. Just jumping out what Matt was saying about the youth coming in and in conversations I'm having with uh, friends of mine whose kids are going back to college. And you ask them, it's like, what are they studying? And I can't believe how many people I'm hearing. They're saying, oh, yeah, they're going to go into supply chain. They're mm. going to go into supply chain management. And it's just, it's a, a testament, again, to before what we were saying of how that new generation is going to help influence both a lot of things that they were brought up with. Again, this idea of how to relook at triple bottom line, understanding corporate social responsibility. That's something they've been born with. And that's something they've been, it's so embedded and ingrained. That's going to be really, I think, part of what we're going to see in the next stage and next evolution of solutions and technologies that are out there because of their influence and how they're looking at things. So that's exciting. It is. And, and you know what? It's uh, like what you're implying there or outright saying, it's got to happen, right? Because of the new demands that consumers are expecting, demanding, you name it. We've got to have all that perspective in the industry so we can adjust and overcome. A couple quick comments here. So yes, John, We've said it once, we've said it a thousand times, maybe a million times. And John, I love it. You mentioned it here. Supply chain finally, finally has a seat at the table. And CM says, yes, VUCA is what we all signed up for. We sure did. And we get what we asked for. Matt, we've come a lot. I think me and Constantine both are geared similarly to you. Oh, the bike puns. We get to be here for days. But your final thought in terms of where we're headed, and then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with you and the team. Yeah. So where are we heading? We're at the start of a, a transformation within, the, within supply chain. And if I go back to when I first came into my supply chain career in the 1990s, spreadsheets had just started. Excel was a tool which... MTV still played music, man. And, and Excel was that transformed and that actually created supply chain management because it, it meant that we didn't need to go to the IT department to run queries out of the, the mainframes and... You know, it's a, before it was incredibly clunky and so suddenly we were able to do things and we created, we carved out this, this, uh, this profession of supply chain management. And I think we're going through a similar scale shift at the moment with you know, all of the new capabilities, the new processes that are, are now, that, that we've got. And, and it's going to transform the way that the way that we look at supply chains. We're not going to be talking about necessary trade-offs and data entry and the, the things that we've been and creating Excel models that we've been talking about in the last 30 years. We're actually going to be talking about how do we going back to the definition I was talking about, how do we you know, 
preserve the planet? How do we meet corporate goals? How do we meet customer expectations? Yes. And looking at brand new ways of, of doing all of that. So for me, this is actually the period we're about to go through, or just going through now, is actually probably the biggest change since the, you know, the 1990s. I'm with you. And I'm welcoming it with open arms. I'm not going to miss those 17,000 step Excel macros that uh, were earlier in my journey. Constantine, comment on that. And then we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Matt and the Connexus team on the move. Well, I'm, I'm just going to comment on Matt's experience here and how he's being, he's inspiring us and using these different analogies and his personal time to talk about how supply chains are changing and innovating. And I always find that fascinating open your mind and try to find other ways of mm. uh, trying to be creative and innovative and applying uh, solutions to ways people are looking for them. Yes. And piggybacking on that, Constantine, and what Matt was talking about earlier, we've got to make it easier for our teams, right? We've got to make, we got to find the right solutions, solving the right problems, not just chasing after the latest and greatest. Matt talked about the hype that comes with AI. We've all probably have our own stories about different business leaders that just, they see the latest shiniest object and they go after it rather than starting with the problem, the business problem we're trying to solve, right? So Matt, I want to make sure before I forget, because I, I, again, I love how you started the conversation, these life parallels. One of my favorite things to do is find lessons learned as a consumer, as for, for that matter, a husband and a father and a human. And all that those lessons teach us about how to lead and drive supply chains. But Matt, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and the Connexus team. What would you suggest? How can folks track you down when you're not doing big things on, on big bike races? Yeah, so I'm a regular on LinkedIn. So you can connect with a, in Matthew Spooner on LinkedIn. I think it's, uh, yeah, you should be able to find me pretty easy. And I actually can see that... Uh, uh, Amanda's put the the the, the, the link to my LinkedIn profile. You could certainly contact Canaxis if you go on to canaxis.com and go onto the contact page. We will be really happy to go and talk to you. You can also contact with with Canaxis on LinkedIn as well. And also, if you go onto in, onto Canaxis, we have big ideas in supply chain. If you go onto the, the big ideas in supply chain uh, page, you can see a, a lot of the, the interviews that we've conducted with other thought leaders. Some of our customers got a, a lot of information and a lot of uh, places where people can contact and access. I love it, Matt. And I can tell, Constantine, can you tell as much as Matt loves the racing and the triathletic, I think that's a word, contest and stuff, Matt loves supply chain and leadership and changing things for the better. You pick that I, I picked that up like almost tangibly from talking with Matt. Constantine, yeah, you picked that up? Well, you said you since the 90s, you've been in the industry, so you right. were pretty dedicated. Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you a, a little, little story about that? And it might be to, you might think it's a bit strange, but I was speaking to somebody who said, you're on the transcontinental race for 13 days, cycling 15 hours a day. Were you listening to music all the time? So, uh, no, I wasn't. I didn't listen to music. So, well, what were you doing all the time? I said, well, I was actually thinking about supply chain and thinking about thought leadership and, and how how my experience had parallels with with my experience within supply chains. Yes, it's, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's I love supply chain and it's it's something that I you know, think about a lot. It's I might be a bit strange. No, I don't think uh, right here. You're kindred spirits, right? And I bet that consumers out there are very thankful folks like you and the rest of us here love talking and diving into supply chain conversations because that's what's in, empowered and just outright powered the, the commerce. Greg says drop the E because it's all commerce now. The e-commerce era we're in, right? So I'm so Matt, you come on anytime. You're family now. You're an OG now, right? Because I love your passion for doing things better. I got to call someone else. Out here, Tony Sharota, my dear friend, Tony, who also is a big music fan, is also leading voice of the returns. Talk about some challenges we got to get to there, returns and reverse logistics. Appreciate you being here, Tony, and I owe you a phone call. Constantine, we made sure folks, so folks, 
you can check out the Magic Quadrant information. We got links there in the chat. You can connect directly with Matt. And whether you want to talk supply chain or talk how he's been able to shoot up the list and become one of the world's foremost athletes, you name it. I bet he welcomes all calls over fake beer or near beer is my hunch. But <laughs> Constantine, what was, while we before we wrap here with Matt, you think through all the, we've come a long way, right? From where we began until where we're ending here, I think on a really high and a real inspirational and positive note, what's been one of your favorite things that Matt has dropped on us here today, Dino? That uh, that E65 highway, I'm still shocked <laughs> by that you did that. I mean, it, it just, you know, right? It's like what you said, that's a lesson to learn for anybody who wants to go biking or anything and go in new frontiers and all that. That's one of them. <laughs> well, and I'm going to wrap with a challenge for you, Constantine, because next time we're going to do this show in Thessaloniki, right? And we're going to dive into the port. We'll see I'm Matt wrap his next race and we'll knock it all out. How's that sound, Matt? That sounds great. And it's an absolute, and, and Dino, I know you haven't been there before. You need to go there. It's an absolutely yeah. amazing and brilliant city. It's on my list. <laughs> on your list. All right. We're going to dive into Dino's list in an upcoming episode. But hey, but, but before we do that, Matt Spooner, industry thought leader with Canaxis. I've really, I tell you, I wish we had captured all the pre-show conversations because we had a lot of fun talking about life and supply chain and your racing and and really your view on how we can all kick a bigger dent in the universe. So I really have enjoyed you being here today, Matt. Thanks. It's been great. It sure has. And Constantine, I tell you, one heck of a conversation. We knew it was going to be, right? And I think we welcome folks to join us anytime to, to dive into uh, supply chain and everything that, that that makes up this beautiful global ecosystem and village. Is that right, Constantine? Yes. And Scott, I, we all wish you a very happy birthday. Oh, hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not going to throw. I'm not going to throw uh, John's comments earlier because I don't think I can find them. But he said, "Hey, I think Con here he goes." Scott says, "John said, I think Matt and Constantine should sing Happy Birthday." Just saying, no. I'm not going to do that to our global <laughs> audience, although they probably have some beautiful voices. But I'm going to wrap with this, folks. Um, whatever you do, we got to find a way to act on these conversations. And, and fortunately, there are leaders and organizations and practitioners, the, the, the wonderful people that make up global supply chain, global industry. Thankfully, folks are taking action. But with each of these conversations, it just it makes us all, and it should, inspire us to do more. So with that, I want to thank all of our audience for showing out. Thanks for all the comments. No, we couldn't get to all of them. Big thanks to the production team to help make today's show happen. Big thanks to Matt and Constantine. But most importantly, folks, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain House, Scott Luton challenging you, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.